Good morning, everyone. Welcome to you all, to those here in the sanctuary and to those who are joining us online, either at this time or later in the day or week. Let us worship God. We sing to his praise and glory, hymn 210, 210, Awake My Soul and With the Sun. The call to prayer comes from Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Let us pray. Gracious God, whose breath gives life, this is the day set apart from all others, and the day when your people the world over gather as your church to worship you. We are glad to unite our voices with the voices of all who proclaim your goodness, and we rejoice that despite what some would have us believe, we are part of a fellowship that cannot be numbered. Loving God, as we marvel at the beauty 
and intricacy of your creation and the rhythm of the changing seasons. We praise you for Jesus Christ, the one who does not change and the one through whom we can know you, the God from whom all blessings flow. Lord Jesus, as we recall all that you endured in the wilderness and the temptations you faced, we confess there are times when we readily yield and seek fulfillment in that which does not last. We can take each day for granted and forget it is a gift from you and an opportunity to do good. Intentionally or unintentionally, we can, like your first followers, deny and betray you through the things we say and do. Gracious God, we thank you that your love is such you forgive our shortcomings and enable us to start afresh. Let us appreciate anew your mercy and with the help of the Holy Spirit, let us endeavor to do better and building our lives in the one who is the only sure foundation, Jesus Christ our Lord, let us give you praise and glory both now and forevermore. These things we humbly ask in Jesus' name, and as the one people, we say the prayer he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power and the glory, forever. Amen. <clears throat> the Elders District Review Committee will meet at the church on Wednesday at 2 o'clock. We continue the series of Bible studies for Lent this coming Thursday at 7 o'clock here in the church when we are joined by friends from the Holyrood Viewfield Church, Park Church, and elsewhere. You'll be very welcome, Thursday at 7. The Sacrament of Holy Communion will be celebrated next Sunday at half past ten. All who love the Lord are welcome to gather at his table. And duty elders are asked to note that they can gather here for a short rehearsal at 9.30. That's next Sunday, the Sacrament of Holy Communion. We look forward to that. David. Good morning, everyone. Is there any kids in the sanctuary this morning? Over here, would you like to come up the front? I'm no scary, I promise. <laughs> My name's David, what's your names? Carla, Carla and Caitlin. Caitlin. Oh, it's nice to meet you. Hey, let me ask you a question. Is there an object or something that you really, really love 
maybe like a toy or a game or a book? Is there something that you really, really love and you cherish? Is there? (laughs) Well, I'll tell you mine, right? I'll tell you mine. So, I really love to read. Okay? Now, I've brought it with me. This is a book that I need to read for my studies to do the same job like Gary. Okay? Now, this is full of big, big words. Mortification, justification. Do you know what they mean? (laughs) Neither do I. (laughs) Okay, but you know, I put this in my bag this morning to come to this church. And you know, I was absolutely raging. I was so, so cross. Do you know why? Because see, when I opened it up, and there's these big fancy words that I need to learn. Look. My wife has drew funny faces on my book. (laughs) Maybe she's trying to tell me to smile more. But look, now I'm so, so cross. So, so cross. But do you know who else would maybe know how I feel? Jesus. Jesus would maybe know how I feel. But see that object or something that you really love? Have you ever felt so, so cross if it gets damaged? Or you've maybe lost it in your house? No? Well, years and years ago, Jesus travelled to Jerusalem. And he went in the temple, the house of God, just like this church that we're in just now. And do you know what was happening in that church? There was people betting and playing games with cards and money. And can you imagine Gary coming into this church and people were playing games over there? Can you imagine how cross? Well, that's how Jesus felt. So do you know what he'd done? He got a bit of cord, a bit of, a bit of string, and he was like Indiana Jones. And he whipped all the tables up and all the cards and all the money just went right over everywhere, right over the temple. How dare you do this in my father's house? How dare you do this in my father's house? And do you know what they said? Can you imagine what they said to Jesus? What authority do you have to do this here? What authority do you have to do this here? So Jesus said, This temple, break it down and I will build it in three days. So that temple was like this church. Can you imagine someone knocked it down? How long do you think it would take to build it? How long do you think it would take to build this church? A long time? A very, very long time, but it wouldn't take three days, would it? Do you know why? Because Jesus wasn't talking about the actual house of God, the actual church. He was talking about himself because he knew that very, very soon he was going to be mistreated. And he was going to be hurt on the cross. He was talking about God's love and God's worship in him. Would you like to take your seats? I don't know who was more awkward, me or them there. (laughs) But nevertheless, God spoke to us in this message. Because when Jesus, when Jesus was talking about the temple... And about worship, he removed the sin from the church. 
the betting, the gambling. He removed the sin from the church. He got it out. But then he wasn't talking about the body. He wasn't talking about the church. Because he was talking about here. He removed the sin from himself. And that's just the same as us. We can worship anywhere. As long as our heart is there to worship. That is the true message here today. We can worship anywhere. Whether it's in this church that is broken down or up. We see some other churches that are struggling to find places to worship. Rest assured, we can always worship wherever God's people are praising. Let's sing our next hymn. That's hymn number 522. The church is wherever God's people are praising. first reading this morning comes from the book of Psalms, Psalm 19. This can be found at page 461 in the Pew Bibles. That's Psalm 19, page 461. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. 
Day after day they continue to speak. Night after night they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete eager to run the race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other end. Nothing can hide from its heat. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant, a great reward for those who obey them. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them take control. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. O Lord, my rock and redeemer. The second reading this morning comes from the book of John. John chapter 2, verses 13 to 22. This can be found at page 79 in the Pew Bibles. That's John chapter 2, verses 13 to 22, page 79. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration, so Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and cattle, scattered the money changers' coins over the floor, and turned over their tables. Then, going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, Get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Then his disciples remembered this prophecy from the scriptures. Passion for God's house will consume me. But the Jewish leaders demanded, What are you doing? If God gave you authority to do this, show us a miraculous sign to prove it. All right, Jesus replied, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. What, they exclaimed, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you can rebuild it in three days? But when Jesus said this temple... He meant his own body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered he had said this, and they believed both the scriptures and what Jesus had said. Amen. Thank you, Leslie, and thank you, David. We're going to sing hymn 612, but we're not going to sing it to the set tune. Instead, we'll sing it to Angel Voices, which is found at hymn 498. But hymn 612, come to us, creative spirit, in our Father's house.
Let us pray. Almighty God, you have called us to be your holy people, regardless of who we are or what our story may be. We belong to you, and through your Holy Spirit, we belong to one another as members of Christ's body. Gracious God, as your earthly temple, may we welcome one and all, and embracing the gifts that you have given to each one of us, let us offer you the very best we have to give. Almighty God, you declared your house to be a house of prayer through your Son. We pray for the church today. In this season of Lent, drive from it all false piety and misguided priorities. Let us truly be the living body of Christ on earth. And as the psalmist asked, May our words, thoughts, and deeds be acceptable in your sight, O God. Eternal God, we pray for the nations of the earth, for wise and discerning leadership, for justice for the poor, food for the hungry, for an end to war, and for the coming of your everlasting kingdom. Gracious God, you draw near to us with compassion and reach out to all in love. We pray for those who at this time are in pain, those receiving treatment, those who are troubled, those who are lonely, and all who mourn, remembering as we do the family and friends of Violet Anderson, a good and faithful member of our congregation. May the promise of resurrection be a comfort and blessing to them and to all who mourn the passing of one they loved. Almighty God, as we remember the challenges faced by our Lord as he journeyed towards the cross, we pray that you would strengthen us for the challenges of these times. Inspire us by Jesus' steadfast example and encourage us by the memory of those who have gone before us that building our lives on Christ, the one in whom no sin is found, we may be found worthy of your goodness and at the last dwell in your house forever. These things we humbly ask through that same Jesus Christ, our Lord, the great King and Head of the Church. Amen. We sing a great favourite with many people, hymn 189, 189, Be still, for the presence of the Lord, the Holy One, is here.
wonderful, wonderful hymn. Many of us have an image of Jesus, an image perhaps forged in our early years, in which he appears with a good head of hair, a fair beard, and a smile on his face. His eyes are kind, and there is a gentleness about his demeanor. And this image is reinforced by what we are told about him. He saw people who were hungry, and he took action that led to them being fed. He went about healing the sick. He forgave sins. And the warmth was such that children were attracted to him, and he took them up in his arms, and he blessed them. That image, might one say a cozy or comfortable image, is somewhat challenged by today's gospel reading. For today, we see Jesus in a somewhat different light. He's in the temple precincts, and he's far from happy. In fact, he's very angry. With a whip in his hand, he turns over the tables of the money changers, and he clears the place of sheep and cattle and pigeons. It must have been quite a sight. There are people, you will know them and I know them, who have a short fuse. Can you think of any? <laughs> they lose their temper at the slightest thing. And because of that, they're not always the easiest of people to be about. But there are other people who, in contrast, can be mild-mannered. They somehow manage to keep their anger in check with the result that on the rare occasions when they do lose it, you know someone or something has really got to them, and you take note. I wonder what category we fall into. <laughs> Maybe somewhere in between. Jesus being angry, really, really angry, doesn't perhaps sit easily with us. It's maybe an image we're not entirely comfortable with. But to use modern-day parlance, we have to deal with it. So let's try and understand why Jesus was angry. It was near the feast of the Passover when lambs were slain 
to commemorate Israel's deliverance from slavery in Egypt. A very important festival. And the rules were that only unblemished animals could be sacrificed. And only one type of coin was acceptable at the temple. As a result, if some of the pilgrims came with an animal that was blemished, well, it had to be changed for one that was unblemished, and they gave some extra money for that to happen. And if they came with the wrong coin, as they would, having traveled, some of them, a vast distance, well, that coin wasn't acceptable, so it had to be changed as well. And the temple authorities, well, what they were really doing was exploiting the pilgrims. And they lined their pockets with the money that was handed over. This is partly what made Jesus' blood boil. As I was thinking about today, I thought back to my time in the Sunday school. And though it's a few years ago now, I remember it as if it was yesterday. I remember going with my mum and my brother to the Sunday school. My father never went, he only went to church at communion. <laughs> and maybe at Christmas. But we went to Sunday school and there were two songs that we sang. And the one that we sang at the end of our time there was, the Sunday school is over and we are going home. Did any of you sing that one? Marion did. Well, Marion, I'll see you later because I can't remember the rest of the song. <laughs> However, the song that we sang at the beginning of our time together was, this is God's house and we are here today. Remember that one? No? It's a lovely, lovely song. And the words of that song, this is God's house and we are here today, made me appreciate, even at an early age, that though God is most definitely not confined to a building, the church, wherever God's people gather, is a sacred place, a place where we meet with God and where nothing should stand in the way of that happening. And that's partly why Jesus was angry. The temple, you see, was a symbol of God's presence on earth, a very, very important building. It was a place where God was worshipped by people, many of whom at the time of a festival traveled a great distance to be there. But something had gone wrong. 
the temple authorities had allowed it to become like a shopping precinct. Hence the words of Jesus, what have you done to my father's house? You've turned it into a market. It was, as you can imagine, quite a day. For many of them, Jesus was not the Messiah, but the carpenter from Nazareth. Well, he had come to town, and he made his presence known. It was a day of disruption. Now, what does this astonishing event have to say to you and me and the church today? Can I suggest it poses us with a very real and significant challenge. If Jesus was to enter a church, a place of worship today, what would he find? What would he find if he walked into this church today? I wish I could just leave that question dangling there. It would be easier if I could. But I can't. What would he find from the moment he arrived at the door to the moment he left? We may not have animals being bought and sold or money changers sitting at tables. But is there anything at all that would cause Jesus to be angry? An exclusiveness? A coldness? A critical look? You can't sit there. That's my pew. It happens, doesn't it? It happens. I think there are many things about the church today that would make Jesus angry, that would make him want to upset our customs and drive out that which is detrimental to true worship. In Psalm 19, which we read, we find these words. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my mind be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and redeemer. The psalmist was a man after God's own heart. He realized it's not only the outside of a cup that needs to be clean and unsullied. 
there has to be inner purity too, which stems from a heart that is humble before the Lord and from which comes true devotion. True devotion, evident in our approach to God and to one another. Goodness, the psalmist sets the bar high. He presents us with a standard to strive for. So let us ask, with what kind of spirit do we come to church on a Sunday? Do we take time to prepare ourselves beforehand by praying for the service? And for those who will gather in person or online, if we don't, let's do that. And can I ask you to pray for me? Do we take time to still ourselves before God? That we might hear Him as He speaks to us the Word of life itself. And how do we treat one another and the visitor in our midst? Is the love that God has for us evident in our attitude and in our outlook? There is a pastor in America. And before he was introduced to his new congregation, he wanted to find out for himself what the congregation was like. So he dressed like a beggar. And on a Sunday morning, he went to church. A man entered the church in front of him, dressed in a smart suit, shirt, and tie, and he appeared to be a visitor because one of the stewards came forward and asked him if he would like to be shown to a seat, and he was. The same steward then approached the pastor in disguise, and looking at him, with a look that would have curdled milk. He ushered him to a seat at the very back of the church where he sat alone and out of view of everyone else. The pastor learned something about his new congregation. He didn't like it. It made him angry. My friends, sadly, I think something similar could happen in churches here in Scotland today. 
Jesus was angry because God's love is for all without exception. Everyone should be treated with dignity and respect. And yet at the temple, not only was there a money-making business taking place, a form of segregation existed. Let me briefly explain. In the temple, there were a series of courts, right? And the Gentiles were made to feel inferior as they could only enter the outer court. They could go no further. While the Jews could enter the next court, and the next court, and the next. And it was in the outer court to which the Gentiles were confined that the buying and the selling went on. My dear people, it was not only noisy, it was smelly. And yet this is what the Gentiles had to endure. It was in this environment that they had to seek to worship and encounter God. By excluding them from the inner courts, they must have felt like second-class citizens or worse. And this greatly angered Jesus. For me, the beauty of the church at its best is that it consists of people from all walks of life, from the youngest to the oldest, from the poorest to the wealthiest, from those who have influence to those who quietly live out their lives, from those strong in faith to those with many questions to ask. Each one has his or her place. Not one is better than another. All regardless of whether they be duke or beggar, are equal in the highs of God. And our love for him should be evident in our love for one another and for the stranger in our midst. For as the rune of hospitality boots it, often, often comes the Christ in the stranger's guise. Jesus was angry. But now, as a result of what he did, so were the temple authorities and the Jewish traders. For Jesus had set in motion a process that would bring to an end their money-making enterprise and make known God's love not for some but for all. And the authorities did not like it. And therefore, as David said, they set about making plans to do away with Jesus. But they did not perceive that when he spoke of the temple being destroyed and raised again in three days, he was speaking not of the physical structure, the building, 
that had taken 46 years to build. But about himself, he was speaking about his death and resurrection, an end, but also a glorious and triumphant new beginning. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Let us take a moment to reflect on our calling to be members of the body of Christ, His Church on earth. Amen. We sing as our closing hymn, hymn 198, hymn 198, a hymn very much in tune with the theme of our service today. Hymn 198, let us build a house where love can dwell.
May God's love, which is vast beyond measure, surround and sustain you, and the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be upon you and remain with you, now and forevermore.